Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and we're thankful again for you. And we turn our eyes to you. You are our king. You are our Lord. You are our hope. You are our sustainer. You are our creator. So we come and we look to you. We praise you tonight. We worship you tonight. I pray, Lord, as, as, we, as we meet tonight, that you would be known, that you'd be glorified. I pray for us in this room that we would draw closer to you uh, tonight in the hearing of your word. Lord, uh, I ask that you speak. I ask that you lead. I ask that you direct. And I pray that in every piece, every bit of it, again, uh, that it would be for your glory and for your namesake. We love you. We praise you. We worship you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Tonight, I told you I was going to make an announcement. Uh, I am tonight. I'm going to make it in the form of a sermon. Oh, man. And not just any sermon, uh, but a rather complex sermon. Oh, man, that's even worse. Usually in a sermon, I have one thought, one focus, and it's, it's led by the verses. We're instructed, we're preaching scripture, and so we're led by the verses. But usually in a sermon, there is one focus, one thought, and it moves through the sermon. We move through the verses. Well, tonight, I'm going to try and have three thoughts, three lines of thought with the goal that we would move through them and somehow in the grace of God, we would land at one conclusion. So it's gonna be kind of a, a different setup, a different scenario. We're gonna look at three lines of thought and then we're gonna bring them prayerfully to one conclusion. Now your job tonight is to listen and to try to keep up with basically three sermons that are gonna be preached in rounds. Remember when we used to sing in rounds as a kid, well, your job is to listen to basically three sermons moving at once, preached in rounds. Now, let me tell you the good news is, the good news is that shouldn't be hard for us because we're such a distracted people that we can talk on the phone, watch TV, work on our computer, and talk to our spouse at the same time. And so we should be used to this. We're a distracted people. All right, here are the three trains. Here are the three things we're going to focus on tonight. Again, three trains of thought, three things we're going to focus on tonight. Listen very carefully. The first one is this. God is the God of great things. Now listen to that. God is the God, our God is the God of great things. I actually don't do this often. I want you to say that with me. Our God is the God of great things. That's the first train. The second one is this. Time is urgent. Time is urgent. I want you to say that with me. Time is urgent. And then the third train is this. Those outside of Christ are perishing and will perish. Listen to that again. Those outside of Christ are perishing and will perish. Say that with me. Those outside of Christ are perishing and will perish. All right, let's see if we can get our trains moving tonight. The first thing is this. Our God is the God, a God, the God of great things. 
Sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we need a reminder of that. Our God is the God of great things. I want us to be very sure tonight we do not have a sterile, impotent, powerless God. Be sure of that. In fact, the opposite of that is true. Our God is infinite in power. He is limitless in power. Understand that our God is is limitless in his power. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, just listen to that. Already, he creates all things out of nothing with just a word. In verse 3, it says, God said, let there be light. Now, think about the magnitude of light. Let there be light, and there was light. The seas, the mountains, the stars in the sky, all of the plants, the animals, people made in his own image. Our God is the God of great things. Now, I want you to hold that right there. Stop right there. Our God is the God of great things. Hold that right there. The next point, the next train. Time is urgent. Time is urgent. I want you to think about this tonight. God told us that he would send the Messiah. That's what he says. He would send the Messiah. He would send a Savior. Uh, We need a Savior. Well, he says very clearly that he would send a savior, that he would send the Messiah. Now, he makes it very clear he would be born in Bethlehem, that he would be born of a virgin 700 years before he's born, that he would be the seed of the woman all the way back to Genesis, that he would be the descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Judah, that he would be in the line of David. He said that he would send a savior, and he did. His name is Jesus. Jesus, that Messiah, in the same way, and listen to me, in the same clarity, told us that he will come again. He will come for us as believers in the rapture, and then we will come with him in his coming in judgment. Jesus is coming again. It is clear in Scripture. He makes it clear. Jesus is coming again. In his word, he tells us the signs of that. Time is growing short, my friend. Time is urgent. Hold that. Put that on hold. Our God is the God of great things. Time is urgent. Hold on to those two. All right, the third thing. Those outside of Christ are perishing, listen, and will perish. Those outside of Christ are perishing and will perish. Now, the truth of our gospel is we need a Savior. Because of sin, we are lost. The Bible tells us that. We are ruined. The Bible tells us that. We are perishing without a Savior because of our sin. Now, the truth of the gospel is in Jesus, praise the Lord, we have our Savior. He is our Redeemer. He is the Lamb of God that takes away our sin. He is the the Christ. He is the Savior. But also the truth of our gospel is that those outside of Christ Jesus, those that haven't heard of Jesus, those that haven't trusted in Jesus, They are doomed, 
they are condemned in their sin. They are perishing. And without Jesus, without Christ, they will perish eternally. world wants us to be numb to that. Churches, I'm afraid, have become numb to that. We hold hope that there might be some other plan, some other backup, but those outside of Jesus Christ will perish eternally. Those outside of Christ are perishing and will perish. Those outside of Christ are perishing and will perish. All right, hold that right there. Those are the three trains. And they are moving tonight along independent tracks. All of them are equally important. All of them are equally necessary to understand. All of them are equally true. All of those are exactly and equally true. Our God is the God of great things. Time is urgent. Those outside of Christ are perishing and will perish. Now, stop right here. Are you dizzy yet? We're kind of swirling around. Well, let's go back and let's pick it back up. Our God is the God of great things. Back to that one. Our God is the God of great things. And let's build here for a moment, for a minute. He created with a word in Genesis chapter 1. I want you to listen. He speaks to Moses in a burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. He uses Moses to lead his people. He hears their cries, and he uses Moses to lead his people out of bondage, the book of Exodus. In that, we see he parts the Red Sea, allowing the children of Israel to pass by on dry ground. That's the testimony of Scripture. They walk through on dry ground. He kills Pharaoh's mighty army. Listen, that is reality. That is actual. That is historical. Exodus chapter 14, the Red Sea stands up. They walk through on dry ground and it falls in on Pharaoh's army. He uses Joshua to lead the children of Israel to their blessed promised land. He made a promise that they would have a land. He uses Joshua to lead them to their blessed promised land. The Bible says they crossed the Jordan again on dry ground with the river in flood stage. They step in and the river stands up, Joshua chapter three. They conquered the mighty fortified city of Jericho, a city that its walls were intimidating, that were not able to be penetrated. The walls fall flat and they destroy themselves, Joshua chapter six. Our God is the God of great things. I'm gonna keep going. Elijah defeats the prophets of Baal. First Kings chapter 18, what a tremendous story. He comes and he defeats the prophets of Baal. They're made a mockery of. First Kings chapter 18. The Shunammite woman, her son lives again and she declares, it is well. Second Kings chapter four. The axe head floats miraculously. Second Kings chapter six. David slays the giant. Big old Goliath, the Philistine hero, he had taunted the armies of God. They hadn't come out. David goes out as a young boy and he slays, he kills that Philistine hero, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Daniel stands in the lion's den. It's impossible. He stands in the lion's den, Daniel chapter 6. 
The sun stands still. Joshua chapter 10, our God is the God of great things. Don't forget that tonight. Do you hear me tonight? Our God is a God of great things. Hold that. Time is urgent. Time is urgent. I'm going to build here for a minute. God tells us signs to watch for so that we would be not unaware, but aware of the coming of the end days. He says no one knows that day exactly, but he gives us signs to watch for. Some of them are called birth pains. When the birth pains start, you know the birth, the, the labor is going to produce a birth sometime later. There are signs to watch for. Here are some of them. There will be wars and rumors of wars, talk of wars. You watch our news stations now, that's all they talk about. Somebody attacks somebody, somebody's outside of somewhere. They'll defeat wars and rumors of wars. Nation will turn against nation. False prophets will rise. It'll be the age of the false prophet trying to deceive many, the Bible says. False preachers, false prophets will rise and they will take the pulpits. The Bible says in those days, people will be lawless. They won't care about the laws. People will grow cold. Their hearts will be hardened. Second Timothy, Paul describes it. Chapter three says this, but realize this, that in the last days, listen to this description, difficult times will come. In the last days, difficult times will come. We could stop right there. For men will be lovers of self Lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable. You can't calm them down. You can't break through to them. Malicious gossips without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God holding to a form of godliness. They love religion, although they have denied its power. They don't know God. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says this. And in those days, here's what will happen. They will turn their ears away from the truth, and they will turn aside to myths. The verse above it says, for a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They won't want to hear it, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves Teachers in accordance to their own desires. Do you see it? Time is urgent. Time is urgent. I'm going to go on a little bit further here. Jesus said that it would be like a thief that comes in the night. Jesus says that it would be in the twinkling of an eye. Jesus himself says that two will be at the meal and two will be in the field and one will be taken and one will be left. Listen to me today, tonight, friend. It's like a band that is approaching. You ever go to a parade and, and maybe you go to a football game and the band is approaching and they're somewhere in the distance and you hear the drum beat and you're not sure if that's, if that's what it is, but it sounds like a drum is rapping, like a drum is beating and it's faint at first. And you lean in to make sure I think I hear something. And then it grows steadily louder and it grows steadily louder 
until it gets so close that you know they're just over the hill and I, I hear the drum and it's beating and I hear the horns and they're playing and I know they're not distant, they're just over that hill. Time is urgent. Time is urgent. Time is urgent. Hold that truth. Those outside of Christ are perishing and will perish. Those outside of Christ are perishing and will perish. John chapter 3, verse 18. He who believes in him, Jesus, is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. What that means is they're condemned already. They're judged and they're condemned already. They're a dead man walking to their execution. The noose is already around their neck. They're not waiting to see how it turns out. There's not coming some event. They are judged already is what the Bible says. They walk with the noose around their neck because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. John chapter three, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, praise the Lord, but here it is. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Listen to that. That's the most terrible thing I can ever imagine, but the wrath of God abides on him. Can you imagine the anger of God justified towards sin is held for them. It rests on those outside of Christ and the wrath of God abides on him. In the parable, the wheat and the tares, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus explains that parable. He says this, and the son of man will send forth his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Revelation chapter 20 verses 14 and 15 says this. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death of the lake of fire. And if anyone's, listen very carefully, if anyone's name was not found Written in the book of life, he was thrown in the lake of fire. Your family member, your parent, your neighbor down the street, those that we'll work with tomorrow when we go to work. And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. I could go on and on. Listen, the truth of Scripture is those outside of Christ are perishing and they will perish for all eternity. So there they are. Three trains are up and running. Three trains are moving. In fact, these trains are picking up speed. Our God is the God of great things. He has not changed. Our God is the God of great things. Time is urgent. It is running short. Time is urgent. Those outside of Christ are perishing. They will perish. They are doomed. They are lost apart from Jesus Christ. The trains now are clicking by. It's like you're standing by the track and the train is passing by. It's now flying down the tracks. Our God is the God of great things. Time is urgent. Those outside of Christ are perishing. They 
will perish. Here's the question. What are we to do? What are we to do? Let me tell you something. I can't stand for any to perish. I look around at our world and I see people that are hurt. And I see people that are lost and I see people, they may, may be acting some way and I may not agree with how they're acting and I, I see those folks and they may be doing things I can't stand, but they're just people and they're looking for help. They're looking for hope and they think, you know what, maybe in this system I'll find hope. Maybe if I go over here, I'll find hope. And they're just people and they're walking numbly and blindly into death and they're looking for hope. Oh, that someone would tell me where there's hope. I'm not willing for any to perish. I know time is short. And I want to be certain and tell you this. These aren't just words of a preacher trying to stir up a crowd. These aren't words to try to make us urgent in a day when we're so distracted. Listen, time is short. Do you listen to the signs? Time is short. Dangerously so. We're about done here. This morning I pulled up. Marco was already here. Brenda was going to be a few minutes, came a few minutes behind me. And I parked out here where I've parked for 11 years. I counted it up, 577 Sundays I've parked out here, 577 Sundays. And I got out of my pickup and I started to walk into this building. The sun was coming up over our church building. There's the water tower that I went to high school under that water tower. I, I've been under this church, water tower here at church, Vernon Lines. I start to walk up to our church, this little old church in this little old town. And I, I got about 20 steps out of my pickup and I'm watching all of that. And I started to think to myself, God, move here. God, move here. You're still God. I know you're still God. You're the God of the miraculous. You're the God of the mighty. You're still powerful. God, move here. You haven't changed. The Bible says you haven't changed. God, move here. Part the sea here. Float the axe head here. Stop the sun here. Put the prophets of Baal to shame here. Leave no doubt here. Let the walls fall down here. Exalt yourself here. God, move here. Move here. What would it take? These three things. Our God is the God of great things. Time is urgent. Those outside of Christ are perishing. They will perish for eternity. What would it take? In the New Testament, those three things, those three trains merge. In fact, they crash together in one event, in one thing. We've been seeing it on Sunday morning in our study in the book of Acts. Those three trains, they merge together in one event. And that is when Christ Jesus 
is held up. That is when Jesus is preached. Let me tell you something, Calvary Baptist Church. You want to know when God is going to move? You want to know what to do in urgent days besides stand around and talk about it? You know what the world needs today? It needs Jesus held up. It needs Jesus held up. As simple as that. We don't need to make a plan bigger than that. We need Jesus held up that the world would see our Savior, see how kind he is, see how gracious he is, see how powerful he is, that the world would see our Savior. And so here's the announcement. Been praying about it since October. It is crazy. It is not rational. It is wacko. I'm not going to need anybody to come by and tell me why it's not going to work. I already have a list. I made it myself. Starting on August 7th, which is a Saturday, going through November 14th, which is a Sunday, a hundred straight uninterrupted days, Lord willing, I'm going to preach through the book of John. And I'm going to start in the very first verse of the book of John. In the beginning was the word. I'm going to start there and I'm going to preach every single verse through the book of John. For a hundred straight days, Jesus will be preached. 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings, 6 o'clock Monday through Saturday, we're going to travel through the book of John. Jesus is going to be held up and preached for 100 straight days. When I was a kid, there used to be a thing, a week-long revival. You remember those? There actually used to be two week-long revivals. I went to one in 1981. That's the last one I can remember. That's the most potlucks consecutive I've ever had. Well, for a hundred days, we will proclaim Jesus and we'll seek his revival. It's going to be live streamed. It's going to be hopefully going worldwide. We're going to build an archive of sermons. You can go back and access those sermons at any time. And then those that can come will hear it in person. For a hundred days, we're going to preach Jesus Christ. Here's a question. You're probably asking this. So what does it mean for you? What does this mean for me? What does this mean for me? Let me tell you a couple things. First off, I want you to understand this is our effort. It is not my effort. It is our effort. It is the effort of Calvary Baptist Church. I need you. Now, there's going to be some programming notes, some, some times, and some plans that will come out. Here's some questions. You might ask this. Am I expected to be at all 100 services? I would tell you no. It's not possible. When you can, you, you be there. I'm going to ask, if you will, that you will promote it, that you'll tell others about it, that you'll push others to be here, that you'll invite others to be here when you can't, that invite them to join you when you can, that you would share it online, that you would promote it online. I'm going to ask that you would pray. Now listen very carefully. This morning we talked about this as a supernatural thing. We forget that. What God does is a supernatural thing. The church assembled and moving in his will is a supernatural thing. There's going to be group prayer. There's going to be prayer meetings throughout this time before it and, and during it. Uh, and then we'll need your prayer as an individual. Let me ask you this. 
Can you imagine what God could do? Can you imagine? Are we so cold? Are we so dead that we can't imagine what God can do? Well, listen, that river that river's in flood stage that we're going to get swept away. We'll drown. Well, listen, when the priest puts his foot in it, when the priest puts his foot in it first, can you still imagine what God can do? Can you imagine what God could do in the book of James? It says Elijah was a man like us and he prayed that it would not rain and it did not rain and he would pray that it did rain and it did rain. Can you imagine what God could do? We're going to pray and we're going to hold up Jesus. I would ask that you would help in prayer. Our discipleship groups, we've got one last week in the study we're in. After that, we're going to start a 12-week study preparing us for a study in the book of John. It is church-wide. It's going to be for all ages. It's called Forerunner. We're going to go back to our classes. When you get to the foyer out there at the Welcome Center, there's a list of our classes. You find the one you want to participate in. You find the one where God leads you. You go participate there. We're going to go through this study in the book and preparing us for the book of John. Our teachers, there'll be a meeting next Sunday evening at 5 o'clock as we prepare to start teaching that the next Wednesday. There's a, there's a list of classes again in the foyer. In just a moment, I'm going to ask that we, we stand and we pray. I'm going to ask that those that want to come forward will come and join me here in the altar to pray. I'm going to ask Marco... And, and Brenna, and I'm going to ask Robbie as our chairman of the deacons if they will pray, and then I'm going to follow them in prayer. After that, we're going to sing. And I, before we do, we're going to sing this song. This afternoon, I was thinking of this song. And I want you to listen to the words that we're about to sing, and I want you to think about those words as we sing them. Listen to these words. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Snatch them in pity from sin and the grave. Weep for the errant one. Lift up the fallen. Tell them of Jesus, mighty to save. Tell them of Jesus. Tell them of Jesus, mighty to save. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. If you all would come up here and help me out in prayer.